Hey, it's Brian. If you'd love to work in the sport industry, you're more than just a fan. In just 12 months, earn the degree that will bring you closer to your dream job, a master's degree in sport business at Newman University. You'll learn sport marketing, event management, social media communication, and so much more. Whether you've just graduated or been in the workforce for years, Newman's master's degree in sport business can teach you the skills that are in demand. I'm a big fan of this program. I've met many of the professors and students. I've spoken on panels there and loved the experience. They do an amazing job at Newman. They know what matters in the sport industry, and they are ready to teach it to you. So check them out today. Visit newman.edu slash sportbusiness. Two things. Newman is N-E-U-M-A-N-N. So it's newman, N-E-U-M-A-N-N, dot E-D-U slash business. Notice, not sports business, sport business. All right, let's start the countdown. Five, four, three, two, one, zero, ignition, liftoff. Hey everybody, I'm Brian Clapp, VP of Content and Engaged Learning at WorkInSports.com, and this is the Work in Sports Podcast. Thanks for joining me on this lovely Monday. I'm not even being sarcastic. The sun is out. Daylight savings is around the corner. I'm feeling lovely. I really am. Quick confession before we get into the stat line and today's question. For those of you watching on our YouTube channel, and it would be great if you all subscribed to our YouTube channel at Work in Sports, because it makes my bosses proud of me and... Uh, that's always a good thing. But if you're watching on our YouTube channel, you may notice a very different look behind me on my set. So the confession I need to make, I had this weird dream a couple weeks ago and it was inundated with a look, a vibe, a feel. And I woke up and I tried to translate that into a new set design, which proves how kind of chaotic my mind is. But, um, after I completed it last night, I realized it may have been a nightmare <laughs> and I'm not sure if it's working. So the idea was this, as I used to, this was what was happening in the dream and kind of the way the inspiration come about when I used to live in the city, Atlanta first, and then Seattle, I loved the look of light poles in the city covered with like overlapping concert flyers and record releases and announcements because you get this chaotic mess of imageries and shapes and colors and this kind of disarray that was kind of beautiful. So I decided to repaint my walls black chalkboard paint, buy an assortment of picture frames and about a thousand stickers. Most are sports related, but some are superheroes, some nature ones, other stuff that I'm into. And on the frames behind me, you'll see the result. It looks pretty graphic and cool, but I'm, I'm, I'm not sure about the black walls yet. So overall, I was feeling like you see the same Zoom backdrop 100 times a day. Like I'm in panels, everybody looks the same. I'm in classrooms, everybody kind of looks the same. I'm in meetings and whatever, everybody kind of looks the same. So I wanted to make something that was really dramatically different. So if you don't mind, check it out on our YouTube channel. Hi, everybody. Uh, and let me know if you think it's cool or if it's ridiculous, or if it's something in between, because I'm not even doing this to just get you to subscribe to our YouTube channel, which would be great, like I said. I really do want your feedback because I'm a little worried, <laughs> and I'm worried that I'm gonna look like an idiot next time I'm in a classroom. But it's kinda cool, and I'm, I'm not a graphic designer, I'm not an interior designer, but I do listen to my dreams, and it kind of inspired me, so you kinda roll with it. Uh, paint can be redone, I can paint over things again. I love the frames, I'm not down, I'm down with that, but still, I mean, there's another layer still yet to come, my 13-year-old my daughter 
uh, is an amazing artist and she is going to come in and do some like graffiti artwork on the blackboard part. And then I'm going to hang the frames over that. So it'll have a little bit of more depth and maybe a little less black, but, um, I don't know. I still want your feedback, whether this is insanely cool or just insane, uh, because it could be either <laughs> second quick note before the stat line. Thanks to Ron Roberts jr. And Jeff Valenzer for inviting me to be a part of their sports industry showcase last week. Uh, 39 speakers over many industry focused panels of which I played a small but vocal, you know me, I'm always kind of vocal, um, of a small but vocal part. And it was a really great session. Lots of incredible students, many of which I've already started to speak with and engage with. I'm looking at you, Mayan, John Paul, Jennifer, Layla, Sarah, Caroline, Luke, Jonathan, Lynn, Kennedy. You guys and gals are rock stars. You're proving that to me already. Those are all people that connected with me on LinkedIn, added a note, started a conversation, had some questions. We've already started to interact. So again, I cannot tell you enough. It's, it's not just me talking about these things. It's like in practice, they work. So keep it up. Okay. Enough of me talking, enough preamble. Let's get to the stat line. I've got three numbers for you three data points that'll help you understand where we are in the sports industry. There's so much optimism right now. And I like to ground it in reality and say like, okay, it's not just puffery. Like there's actual data showing that we're on a good road to recovery. Point number one, 22,324 active jobs on workinsports.com. That is a 5% increase over last week. That is the 10th, I believe, straight week of continual increases. I should have written that down. I forgot to do that, but it is a a stretch of continual increases. We are growing. Things are expanding. Hiring is growing. It's just awesome. You can see it happening. And that's, again, provided by workinsports.com, the leading job board for the sports industry. 22,324 active jobs in the industry right now. It's a really good number. Uh, point number two, stat number two, 3,168. That's the number of jobs added just in the last seven days. Now, that's another big increase because previously, the week, the week before that was tw- around 2,500 jobs. So it just shows you more and more jobs are coming in. The activity rate is high. And that leads us to stat number three, which is 453. 453 jobs added each day on average over the last week. That is a lot of good reasoning to come back and look every day and see what's new and out there that matches you and matches your skill sets. So super cool activity happening in the sports industry right now. Three cool jobs. The second part of the stat line is always me emphasizing three cool new posts to our job board that stand out to me for really cool reasons. So even if you're listening this way in the future, there are nuggets of information in here. It's not just about the job posting. It's about what that opportunity means. Okay. So job number one, I took a little bit of a right turn here, but just trust me, summer camp, soccer or baseball or golf director at Camp Westmont. Okay. Camp Westmont is a co-ed traditional sleepaway camp in the Pocono mountains of Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm not just bringing it up because I live in Pennsylvania, not too far from the Poconos. They're currently looking for qualified, experienced, energetic individuals to teach and run their soccer, golf, and baseball programs. Competitive salary, room, board, three meals a day, and laundry service are included. This would be, no doubt, the best summer of your life. Now, that was their line, by the way, but it could very well be true. Why did I bring this up? Because with how crappy the last year has been, can't we just look forward to summer camp? Like, seriously, can't we just look forward to summer camp and laundry service? 
Is it too much to ask? No, I don't think it is. I think that is exactly what we should be expecting. But on a more serious note, if you look at your future and say, I want to work with kids, I'm into community relations, nonprofits are important to me. This is also great experience, right? So don't think of this as just like a fun summer job, although it may very well be. There's experiences in there that will stand out on your resume if it tracks with who you want to be in your future. Job number two, athletic trainer for the North Texas Bulls baseball organization. Okay. Lots of people in this audience are not sports management majors. They may be kinesiology majors or they may be exercise science majors and they're in pursuit of different jobs. Maybe they don't want to be a GM. They want to be a, a head trainer for a pro team. I talk a lot about starting out in small athletic college programs to build if you're on the athletic trainer side. But the minors and smaller leagues are also a great way to start building game day reps. That's the important part. I talked to uh, Dr. Leah Toman in the past, who's one of the lead doctors for U.S. women's national team for soccer. And she kept saying, it's one thing to study and it's one thing to know your stuff and it's one thing to practice in a hospital or whatever it may be. But game day is different. So if you can get out there and get experience for a minor league team or whatever it may be in order to get that game day experience, that is powerful. Everyone needs health. These baseball teams, these minor leagues, these small colleges, it's a great place to really get started. And job number three. Production assistant at NBC Sports Bay Area. Now, this is obviously close to my heart. I started out my career in this role. I started out as a production assistant. It has a warm place in my heart. But more importantly, many, many, many students I speak to across the country in various colleges and universities want to work in sports television. And a lot of times they all start out thinking, I want to be a reporter, I want to be an anchor. That's totally understandable. This is a great job to get that started, too. Even if you want to be a reporter or an anchor, sometimes going, and I've said this before, but sometimes going to a larger network as a production assistant, so it's not an on-camera job, but you are going to learn the best practices for the industry. You're going to be around the best people doing it the best way. You're going to learn a lot about how to do things the right way. You're going to learn the best journalism techniques. You're going to learn how to craft a story. You're going to learn how to work with editing machines and video and graphics and more. So no matter what you want to do in broadcast television, if that's your desire to work in sports television, a job as a production assistant is a wonderful place to start. I mean, look at where I ended up. We'll leave that for another conversation. And that is the stat line. All right, let's get into today's question from Amanda in New York. Hey, Brian, thank you so much for your guidance and the advice shared on this podcast. Seriously, it matters a lot. You are making a difference whether you realize it or not. Oh, thanks, Amanda. I have two questions and I'm hoping you can answer both. First, you talk a lot about analyst jobs on the rise in sports. I am not an analyst, but I do like data and numbers. Can this be an attribute and skill, even if I don't really want to be a typical business or player side analyst? And second, you also talk a lot about being qualified and interested in the jobs we should apply for. Like, don't just apply for a job because it's with a team we like, but we have none of the skills to do the job, which makes sense. But how many of the skills do we really need? Do we need to have all the skills they list in a job description? I find myself overanalyzing now, and I hope you can give me some clarity. Amanda, great questions. And since you asked nicely, I will answer both as best I can. Let's start with your second question about when to apply first, and we'll get into analyst side. Okay, let's just walk through this a little bit. Job gets posted, right? It's on workinsports.com. You can go on there. You can see the entire job description. They list off 10 skills they want for somebody in this role, and then the burden falls on you, right? They post it. They put it out there. And then the burden's on you. Do I apply? Do I have what they need? Will I be considered? Where do I fit in this scope of things? Okay, fact. 
there is a huge, huge gender discrepancy in the way this decision making is processed and the way this question gets answered by y'all. Okay, here's the data. Women tend to believe they have to have all of the skills that are listed or they don't apply. They look at it and say, they said they want these 10 skills. I've only got eight of them. So I guess I'm not a match. Oh, well, I'll look for the next one. Men are just the opposite. They tend to think if they have two of the skills they want, that's good enough because they'll love me and I can win them over as part of the process and I'll really score in the interview. Okay. The truth is somewhere in the middle. If you have all the skills, if you have all 10, awesome. That's one you should absolutely drive hard for and pull out all the stops. Go after it. Go after it aggressively. Your resume will get noticed. If you have two of the skills, you should go back to the drawing board, right? I'm looking at you, dudes. Like, seriously, go back and say, wow, this job really interested me. I've only got two of the skills they need. I better start to understand what these other eight are, figure out a plan to learn them or to get better at them or pick out four of them, get me into a better position to be marketable for these jobs. You have to look at it not as an isolated incident. You're looking at it and saying it's almost like a, uh, a postmortem report where, you know, you, you did a project and it didn't work out great and you're trying to figure out why. Same thing here. You're looking at the job description. You see you're not a match for something that interests you. You better do the research and say, okay, how am I going to make myself more interesting to a hiring manager the next time a job like this comes around? I'm going to learn those skills, right? Put a strategy together. But with all of that said, you don't need all of the skills. Women, men, you don't need all the skills. All of you applying. That is their wish list. That is the employer's wish list. That is their dream scenario. Now, my rule of thumb, which is not exact, it's not law, it's a rule of thumb, which by what actually, I don't have any idea what that means. Stand by. Oxford English Dictionary, rule of thumb. Okay. Haven't you ever done that where you've said something and then you're like, wait, what does that actually mean? Because that's what I'm actually doing right now. Okay, so Oxford English Dictionary, I do have a computer in front of me. A method or procedure derived entirely from practice or experience without any basis in scientific knowledge. A roughly practical method. Right, okay, perfect. I use it perfectly. Roughly practical, based on experience, not scientific. Why the thumb? Okay, it goes on to say, I'm literally reading this from the Oxford English Dictionary right now. The rule of thumb part is additionally defined as a method by which brewers once tested the temperature of a batch of beer. They dipped their thumb into the brew. That is awesome. My day is complete. I hope that you learned something today. Thanks for listening. Okay, actually, I should say my tangent is complete. Back on track now that we've decided what rule of thumb means. Um, the list of skills provided on a job description is not a mandate. They're not saying you need to have these things. It's, again, their wish list. So my estimation from sticking my thumb in a vat of beer is that if you have six out of the 10 required skills, you're in the ballpark enough to apply. Less than that, go work on yourself. More than that, get that application in fast because you are a good target for this job. Bottom line, Amanda, don't fall prey to an idea of perfection. Hiring managers aren't looking for perfection. There's going to be other skills you have that they may not even realize that's going to bring value to the equation. This is just their isolated list of what they'd like to see as part of this job. And if you fit on 60% of them, you're in a good position. Go for it. Okay. Now, as your for, as for your second question on analytics, another great question. I like this distinction, and we're going to get into that too. When we talk analytics, so often people think of it as somebody pouring over huge data sets in a cubicle, some complex computer language that only people at MIT understand. 
or are being taught. That's not true. Okay. Analytical skills are literally the knowledge and abilities that help you to evaluate information and solve problems. Evaluate information, solve problems. Ah, it's that simple. If you ever had to gather or read through data and synthesize it in order to make decisions or recommendations to others in your organization, guess what? You've used analytical skills and should leverage that fact on your resume. It doesn't have to be pouring through Python. It doesn't have to be running huge SQL databases. I'm acting like I know what those things are, but I really don't. Um, If you can look at a marketing campaign, analyze the results, and influence further decisions, you're using analytical skills. Analytics are important in just about every job out there in sports and otherwise. You do not have to be an analyst, like a typical business analyst, and only be applying for business or player-side analyst jobs to learn and leverage these skills. In fact, it's one of those things that everybody should know because it does weave its way into everything happening in our sports world. So let's give an example, because I like to talk in examples. Let's say you want to be a sports social media manager. You're on an internship and your boss says, okay, I'd like you to come up with two visual campaigns for our upcoming ticket sale around the 4th of July, run them both, do an analysis afterwards, tell me which worked best and figure out why. That's called A-B testing. Guess what? You're an analyst. And you'll do this daily if you become a social media manager. You'll be testing one thing against another and seeing which actually works. It's not instinct, it's data. You're not saying this one's prettier and it's red, so it's going to be better. It's like, no, actually, this one over here that has a different design, it has a better call to action, was what much more effective. I can track the data and I can understand that and I can see it. If you can do that, those are analytical skills that you need to highlight on your resume. If you get into Google Analytics, right, if you start to learn that, you aren't just looking for vanity moments. You're not just looking to say, oh, that blog post I wrote is doing really well. You're comparing. You're saying that one did well and that other one over there did terribly. Why? Okay, I'm looking at that now. I'm understanding that this one did well, this one did bad, we targeted the wrong thing, SEO decisions, whatever it may be. And you're using that information, that data to influence your future decisions, your future content decisions. That's analytics. So that's what I'm talking about here. If you're in Google AdWords, you test out campaigns, one works, one doesn't. You make a decision for your future saying, hey, that technique didn't work. Let's scrap that and go with something else. That's analytics, right? That's analytical thinking. And so you need to leverage these moments. You need to have that kind of a mindset in every job because the sports world is more data-driven than ever before. My my wife is in marketing. She's a CMO of a company. And for decades, they've been doing data-driven decision-making, like data-driven decision models. And her and I would talk and I'm like, yeah, a lot of that doesn't happen in the sports industry. Well, now it is. Now it's definitely happening. In the last five to seven years, it's upticked a lot. So all this data-driven decision-making process is something you need to be bigger and smarter about. Now, how do you leverage these moments? How do you really get that across, right? Well, there's three ways, really. Your cover letter, is it awesome opportunity to tell a story about how you use data to influence a future decision, right? This is huge, by the way. I mean, data-driven decision-making is all the rage. Okay, number two, where you can put it, your resume, right? In the skills section, in your bullet points, um, give data and metrics 
related to your use of data and metrics. Like you improved a campaign that resulted in a 23% lift. I mean, that's, that's showing analytical thinking and you're, you're exemplifying it through your ability to pour through the information that's out there. And finally, in a job interview, like I keep talking and I keep talking about this over and over and over again about knowing your stories so you can answer those behavioral interview questions. Tell me about a time. Tell me about a time. So have stories that are ready to tell about times you use data to make decisions and you impacted sales or you lowered expenses or you increased revenue, you conversion rates went up, customer satisfaction was increased. Even if it's not related to sports, you could have a story that was like, I was working in a, and you're going to do it better than me. I'm just riffing here. Okay. But you were working in a restaurant you realized that one side dish wasn't selling and you were throwing away a lot of it. You worked with the, the, the boss and the chef to understand how to reduce waste and increase sales. You know, you're noticing trends and you're putting them into solutions. That's all ways that you can leverage your data and analytical mind to be more attractive to hiring people in the sports industry. Again, they're looking for more than just fans. And if you can show that you have analytical thought processing skills and you can bring that kind of a vision to whatever department you want to join the sports industry, you will be better off, Amanda. So thank you for your question. Allison Bickford, the director of corporate partnership activation with the Seattle Kraken, is coming up on Wednesday. I told all of you. Matter of fact, a guest wrote in with their question and said, you have to get somebody from the Seattle Kraken. And because our audience is so awesome, you guys came out. Carlton called me, Carlton Robbie. Carlton called me and said, hey, I know someone with Seattle Kraken. You should get her on the show. And I'm telling you. It's awesome. Allison's super cool. I learned a lot. It's like working at a startup in professional sports, which is really cool because they're starting everything from scratch. So it's this whole new perspective. Tune into that on Wednesday. I'm sure you're going to like it. Go look at our YouTube channel and tell me if you think my set looks ridiculous or if you like it. And um, yeah, everybody have a great Monday because I'm pretty fired up, as you can tell. <laughs>